I want to convince you tonight of how interconnected we are with the Savior. Um, I know you know how much you need Him. But I don't believe you allow yourself to think about how much He needs you. I'm going to say this from the very beginning, and then we'll spend all hour to build up to it. You need to know that what got him through his darkest moment was you. You got him through his darkest moment. Now, who gets you through yours? I want you to feel and know that connection. That he needed us. He needed you. You got him through his darkness. And now he gets you through yours. That is a tremendous connection. And it has to do with his nature. So we, this is a character and life of Christ. But allow me to expand it a little bit and talk about what made him unique. And I don't mean to diminish him in any way, but I do need to point out that he needed help to do what he was supposed to do. He could not have atoned without his unique makeup. It was the Father that made the atonement possible. And that has everything to do with his birth. And unlike anyone else, Jesus has the most unique conception and generation isaiah asks the question who shall declare his generation and by that he didn't mean generations who shall declare his generation because jesus is the product of two very crucial entities who was his mother his mother was Mary, a mortal woman. And from Mary, tell me what Jesus inherited. The power to die. And I'm going to present it that way, the power to die. He had the power to die. Now, who was his father? My father is a mortal man. His name is Jetty Dunford. I am the product of a mortal woman and a mortal man making me fully mortal. I have no immortal powers because I was born of two mortal beings. But who was his father? Like Jetty Dunford is the father of my earthly body. Who was the father of his earthly body? God was the father. How those two conceived a child I don't fully understand, and I love that in the Book of Mormon, Neph remember when Nephi sees Mary, and then she's taken away, and then she comes back pregnant? Not even Nephi was allowed to see it. I have no idea, and I choose not to speculate on it. I just trust that somehow those two conceived a child. And that child was part Mary and part God. So tell me what he inherited from his father. The power 
to live. No one has ever been like that. Now, again, I don't mean to diminish Jesus, but I want to be very clear. He got the, he received the ability to atone because of this unique makeup. Could he have atoned any other way? Could he have atoned any other way? Why not? Let's be absolutely clear. Let's go to Mosiah chapter three. The, the, the angel that spoke to King ben, Benjamin made it very clear. Mosiah chapter three, had he not had this con connection, verse seven, Ivy, do you mind reading it? Mosiah 3, 7, the angel said, Okay, that phrase right there suggests what? A being that was mortal, mortal, mortal mother, mortal father, the agony of the atonement would have done what? Ended his life. The body has an off switch. There is a certain amount of pain. The body is programmed to turn off when we hit that level. And had Jesus been a mortal, that pain would have killed him. But because he had this unique makeup, because of the fact that God was his father and Mary was his mother, the agony of the atonement did not kill him. Now, I just feel like we need to kind of go on a scripture journey. So just humor me a little bit because I would like to just lay out the scriptures because he's hinted at this all along. Let's go to the New Testament and start in John chapter 5. You will find Jesus saying these little things all the time. John chapter 5, let's start in verse 25. John 5, 25, verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they shall hear and they that hear shall live. So I'm going to die. Isn't that what he's saying? I'm going to die and I'm going to go into the spirit world and I'm going to preach the gospel. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. Jesus was the only human being, the only so-called mortal being who had life in himself. Okay, turn to John chapter 10. The, you know, you know this, um, this is the chapter where it says, I am the good shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 17. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. And very clearly he says, No man taketh it from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. I choose when I die. Isn't that what he's saying? So did the cross kill him? If he so chose, how long could he have hung on that cross? He could be hanging there today. 
Nothing in this earth can kill him. He chooses. He chooses the moment he dies. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. Now, turn to John chapter 11. This is one of my absolute most favorites. You remember when Lazarus dies? And he waits. He waits deliberately so everyone knew that Lazarus was dead. He's been in the grave for four days. There is no doubt that Lazarus is dead. And when he shows up, out comes Mary and Martha. And both of them say the same thing. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But what's the hint there? What do they seem to be saying? You could have prevented death. But what do they seem to be saying? But there's nothing you can do now, right? Isn't that kind of the suggestion? You could have prevented him from dying. I know you're a great healer, but now he's dead and there's nothing even you can do. So Jesus simply says, or verse 21, John eleven twenty one. Martha says to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother had not died. But I know and even know and that even now, whatever you ask, God will give it thee. I don't know exactly what she meant by that. Jesus says, thy brother shall rise again. Now, when someone you love dies and then someone says, oh, you'll see them again. How do you kind of brush that off? Okay, I know someday a million years from now in the resurrection, right? So she kind of says that same thing. I know he shall rise in the resurrection. Now tell me what the Savior's response was. The resurrection isn't an event. The resurrection is a man. I am the resurrection. I am life. I am life. That is astounding to me. He had all power over death, even his own. And even when he died, he had all power to come back. As I read that, he resurrected himself. The only person I know that can resurrect himself. He has all power over life. Now, if we push on that, if we just keep playing, pulling at that string, turn with me to Doctrine and Covenants, section 88. Let's turn from the New Testament to the Doctrine and Covenants. So I love, don't you just love, I just love 88. My uh, mission president's wife, she gave a training once about how Jesus Christ is the light. And she just goes over Doctrine and Covenants 88 and how it, it starts with him being the physical light. And then at the end, he's also the spiritual light. And it was just like... It's beautiful. Yeah. I just love 88. But let's just do that beginning point. I love starting in verse 6. Does anyone know where light comes from? These, this light, the photon. There's, I think we've got to distinguish when we use the word light. Unfortunately, in English, we use the same word. But light... And life light are two different lights. This light, these are photons. And do you know how these lights are making energy? Do you know, how, do you know where light comes from? Anyone know what the source of light is? You're all familiar with an, an atom, right? So here's an atom with a nucleus. And then these are valence electron orbits. And there are electrons that float around that. 
So you put energy, like electricity, into a system, and it kicks an electron up to a high energy orbit. So it goes from low to high. And then it goes from high back to low, and what does it do with that energy? It releases that energy in the form of light. So where does light come from? Light comes from something that started low, and went high, and then went from high to low. And so Jesus says in verse 6, He that ascended up on high, as also he descended below all things, in that he comprehended all things, that he might be in and through all things, the light of truth. Jesus is light. Now we use a synonym for light here. What's another synonym? Go to verse 13. We're going to come back and do this in order, but jump to verse 13. What's a synonym for light? Life. He is light and life. And the reason for that is because the Father gave that to him. The Father gave him life and light. And now he is a source of it. Now, what happens with that light? Look, look at verse 7. Which truth shineth? So a lot of synonyms here. Light and truth and life are all synonyms. He became the light of truth. Which truth or light shineth? This is the light of Christ, truth, light, life. As he is also in the sun and the light of the sun and the power thereof by which it was made. What energy, what, what life source is causing the sun to burn? Christ. He is the life of the sun. Okay, let's come down a notch. How about verse 8? Also, he is in the moon. He is the light of the moon. And again, again, that's two things. He's the light that comes off the moon, but he's the life force in the moon. Jesus is the light and the life of the moon. And verse 8, the power whereof it was made. How about verse 9? The stars. He is also the light of the stars and the power thereof by which they were made. Now let's keep coming towards us. Verse 10. And the earth also. Jesus is the life force of this earth. She is alive. And he is the power whereof it was made. And then verse 11. And the light which shineth, which giveth you light, is through him who enlighteneth your eyes, which is the same light that quickeneth your understanding, which light proceedeth forth from the presence of God to fill the immensity of space. The light which is in all things, which giveth life to all things. Now one more synonym which is the law by which all things are governed. Do you see who Jesus is? 
He is this source of light. Now, as part of the atonement, way back in one of our earliest classes, tell me, do you remember we talked about what? What what did he have to do to atone that he had to answer the ends of the law? And one one of those requirements was what? To answer the ends of the law, he has to be stripped of all that light. He has to lose all of that light and be 100% consumed by darkness. Now, it's that moment that I want to talk about. Something happened in that moment, and I think all of us need to understand. If he has light and life, if he has power to live, and power to die in that most agonizing moment, did he have an off switch? Does Jesus have an off switch? Do you see? Could he have ended it at any moment? Could he have stopped it at any moment? He has complete power to stop it. He has an off switch. So my question to you is, why didn't he push it? What got him through his darkness? Why didn't he push it? He has all power to end it. And would he still qualify for salvation if he pushed it? What do you think? Would Jesus still qualify for salvation if he pushed the off switch? Of course he would. But by pushing that off switch, what does he do? He ends it for us. He saves himself and no one else. So pushing that off switch does not harm his chances of salvation, but completely destroys ours. In fact, according to the Book of Mormon, without what he was to do, without, without his atonement, what kingdom would we end up with? Could we even end up in the celestial kingdom? No. So if he pushes that off switch, we're all sons of perdition. And he saves himself. So tell me why he didn't push the off switch. Let's read it. I want to go to Isaiah chapter 53. And I know you know this chapter. I know you've read it many times. King or Abinadi quotes it to the wicked priests of Noah. Turn with me to, in the Old Testament to Isaiah 53. All right, you know the first three verses. He's dis- verse 3, 4, and 5. He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now, let's jump to verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. 
Now, we got to clarify that. Bruising him didn't cause the father any pleasure other than the, what the end result. It pleased him because his bruising saves us. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him, he hath put him to grief. Now, let's look at the next word. When. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. Now, I think most people read the word when, when he shall offer himself an offering for sin. Most people read that as after. So let me replace it with that word. After thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. How do, meaning what? My whole life, that's how I read it. Meaning, what's the interpretation? After he atones, he goes into the spirit world and he sees all of his followers, right? That's how I'd read it my whole life. After he shall see his, after he shall make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. Now, let me just completely change. There are many definitions of that word, and I believe one of them is while. Now watch how the verse completely changes if you read it as while. While thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. How does that one read differently? Do you see it? While he was suffering. Now, allow me to just go back to our metaphor. In order to atone, what does he have to lose? He has to lose light. Jesus had to lose all light. The source of light lost light. He was in a dark abyss as if there was nothing but darkness that ever existed. And in that moment, who was his light? When he has an off switch and could have ended it, in the moment of his darkness, who gave him light to get through it? You did. He looked at those who would be blessed by his sacrifice. Now, knowing he is a one by one God, remember third Nephi, how did he think about this? Did he think about us? He didn't. He is not constrained by time. So in a very literal sense, the entire time he was in agony, who was he thinking about? Each one. 
the entire time. Now, how he can do that simultaneously, only he could do. But it wasn't that he had a brief momentary thought of me. How long was he thinking of you, Ivy? The entire time. It was you that got him through that. You were the light in his darkness that kept him from pressing that button. He saw his seed. And that's an individual word. And it was the blessing that his atonement would bring to you that was the light that got him through the darkness. Now, you and I live by his light. So what gets me through my darkness? What is the light that you have held on to in your darkness? Now, do you see that relationship? Do you see how connected we are to him? Sometimes we see him as the giver and we are the receivers. But I think we need to pause today and see that when he needed light, you were the light that got him through the dark. In that very real sense, you were the giver and he was the receiver. Do you see how connected we are to him? He can't walk away. He can't walk away in my darkness because I got him through his darkness. We are inseparably connected. And I just think that doctrine needs to distill upon you. A one by one God who isn't rushed through. He didn't think of all of us. He thought of each of us. And he didn't push the off switch. Until what was the last thing he said before into thy hands, I commend my spirit. It is finished. I have, I have completed the task. And then he pushed the button. But not until that, not until it was finished, did he push the button because of you. He needed you. And now you need him. Does that change your relationship with him? Does that change... It's a magical relationship. Turn with me to Isaiah 49. While we're still here in 53, let's go back to Isaiah 49. My relationship with him is like a mother who just gave birth. Let's read it. Verse 15. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. In other words, why can't he walk away? You can imagine, Ivy, can I ask you for a second? You can imagine giving birth to a child. You can imagine holding, carrying that child for nine months. It's part of you. And when the child finally comes up, comes out, would you walk away? Would you, Daisy? Would you walk away from your newborn child? 
Now, do dads walk away? Yeah. All the time dads walk away. Why is it easier for dad to walk away than for mom to walk away? Because mom didn't pay a price and mom wasn't connected. Now, I don't know if I'm crossing a line here and I want to make sure I read it from the scientific journal where I got it. I want to make sure, I don't remember where I put it, so bear with me one moment. When pregnant, the cells of the baby migrate into the mother's bloodstream and then circle back into the baby. It's called fetal maternal microchemistry, chimerism. Fetal maternal microchimerism. For 41 weeks, these cells circulate and merge backwards and forwards. And after the baby is born, many of these cells stay in the mother's body leaving a permanent imprint in the mother's tissues, brains, bones, skin, and often stay there for decades. Every single child a mother has afterwards will leave a similar imprint on her body too. Even if a pregnancy doesn't go to full term or if you have an abortion, these cells still migrate into your bloodstream. Research has shown that if a mother's heart is injured, fetal cells, fetal cells will rush to the site of the injury and change into different types of cells that specialize in mending the heart. The baby, sorry, the baby helps repair the mother while the mother builds the baby. This is often why certain illnesses vanish while pregnant. It's incredible how mothers' bodies protect the baby at all costs, and the baby protects and rebuilds the mother back so that the baby can develop safely and survive. Do you see the connection? Baby heals mom so that mom heals baby. Now, Jesus says what? I have that relationship with you. A mother and her sucking child. Studies have also shown cells from a fetus in a mother's brain 18 years after she gave birth. Do you understand our connection to Christ? It is an astounding doctrine that I think just needs to resonate in every soul. When he was in pain, who healed him? You did. When you are in pain, who heals you? He does. That is a beautiful relationship. And so he says, I cannot walk away. I cannot forget. I cannot walk away.
You know that hymn, How Firm a Foundation? The last verse of that hymn, that soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I cannot desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no never, I'll never, no never, I'll never, no never, no never forsake. He cannot walk away from those who saved him. I bear you my testimony. Your cells are imprinted in his body. You are a part of him and he is a part of you. I hope you never feel far away from him. We may transgress and we may make mistakes, but he still, I can't walk away. I cannot walk away. It's as if he's saying, you were there for me. And no matter what you do, I will be here for you. It is my solemn testimony that the relationship you have, each of you have with Christ, is unbreakable. When I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.